What if I told you that whatever you're going through right now, first of all, someone's been through it, and second of all, you will get through it. What if I told you that no matter how painful the experience is that you're experiencing right now in this moment, in the future, maybe sooner, maybe later than you wish, it will show you something, it will teach you something, it will lead to a breakthrough, a massive, beautiful breakthrough. Because in the breakdown comes the breakthrough. You have to allow yourself to have this experience and to feel the pain fully in order to come out on the other side, having learned from the experience, having grown from the experience. Now today I'm talking with a woman who is going to share with you something that I could never share with you. I could never give you any insight into it because I've never gone through it myself. It's something so tragic, so heart-wrenching, so painful that it must be talked about. It must be spoken about. And that is losing a child. Something I have never experienced in my life, but know so many women who have. The statistics show in a remarkably large amount of women go through miscarriages. April Boyd, our speaker today, will tell you exactly how many that is. But she has lost her own child and she's going to be giving a lot of insight on how she got through that process and how she now coaches other women who are going through very painful experiences to work through it in the best way that they can and to come out the other side having learned something and grown and maybe even serve others along the way. April Boyd is a private practice therapist with clients across the globe, creator of the Baby Loss Survival Guide and founder of the Love and Loss Project, an online comfort and inspiration station for women who have experienced the loss of a baby or pregnancy. When April is not doing the work she loves to do, you might find her on the top of a paddleboard or the side of a mountain with her hunky boyfriend and her six pound Yorkie Sasha. April is committed to turning the tragedy of her daughter's life story into a love story by living her own life as brightly as possible and helping others to do the same. You can get her free self-care kit or send her questions for her Q&A videos at lovelossproject.com and the links that will be mentioned in the show can all be found on my website, of course, maddiemoon.com slash April Boyd. You can go to episode 127 to get those. So today, obviously, is a sensitive topic. Please listen with understanding ears. And even if you haven't gone through anything like this, like this, chances are either your mom has, your sister has, your friend has, or your cousin has, someone has. And just having this kind of insight might really help you. And even though I've never had this experience, it helps me in other ways to learn how to go through hard times and come out having grown and learned and be very introspective. And it's just a very important shift in mindset. I love what April talks about how she could have harbored this anger and pain and being mad at what had happened in her life and her daughter's life, but instead she wanted to leave her daughter's legacy different than April used to be a loving person and then she became bitter and hard. She did not want her daughter's legacy to be that, that that had happened to April after this tragedy happened. So she wanted to get through that hard time so that her daughter's legacy would be a positive one, which I think is a beautiful spin. And no matter what you're going through in life, you can look at it that way. Whatever is happening in your life, do you want this event, even if it is a tragedy, to have the legacy of changing you for the worse or changing you for the better? So keep that in mind while you listen to this episode and please send to a friend or a loved one, anyone who has gone through this pain, send them this episode. You can send it via iTunes, Stitcher, or my website link. That's a great way to support them on their journey. If you haven't left a review, that would be so wonderful if you did that on my iTunes show. Today's review of the week comes from Rebecca Cummings, and it says, she she says, love it with five stars. Love the podcast. Your work is completely in line with my own integrative coaching practice. So grateful to find another soul sister on the path. You are amazing. Thank you for your courage, strength, and rock star inspiration. Five stars all the way. Thank you, Rebecca Cummings, your beautiful soul. And yeah, you're my long lost soul sister too. I love finding new ones so if you haven't left a review like I always say that's just a wonderful way to support the podcast and then I'll read it and then everyone will hear it and then I'll gush about how much I love you so next piece of news is 
the more than this event is going to be approaching very rapidly right now we have a early bird special on which is 397 and this event is going to be two full days jam-packed it's at least a fifteen hundred dollar value so if you want to have an adventure if you want to get away and learn how to stop obsessing over your work ethic or finding all of your time focused on your body image or being perfect or if you want to finally let that thing go in your life or if you want to learn how to get through this life transition you're currently going through or you just want to have a fun nice trip in the weekend and meet some new soul sisters sign up we also have a special going on if you bring a best friend you each get $50 off all the details to that can be found at morethanthisevent.com also on the show notes for this episode you can find that as well so the other thing I wanted to mention is that I have one spot open in my one-on-one coaching so if you feel that you are ready committed and there are things you want to uncover and unfold and work on in your life, please go to maddiemoon.com slash coaching or go again to the show notes for this episode and apply for my coaching. Now, this is not for everyone. My coaching requires a lot from people. It requires a lot of work, a lot of individual work in between our sessions and very much so opening up, diving deeper and being so honest with me like you've never been with anyone before. That's what it takes. That's what it requires. I have worked with people for... Um, six months all the way to a year and I've watched the most incredible transformations happen and honestly nothing makes me happier than to do this kind of work it's a blessing for me and I love being able to take on clients that fit the requirements that I have and that really just means being ready and being committed and wanting growth and wanting change if that's not quite yet for you but you're working there and that's on the way in your future and you at least want something in the meantime to keep your journey going and to have a group of soul sisters and to dive deeper every single month with me and get some coaching, then the Freedom Lounge is your your best uh, path next. And you can check that out by going again to the show notes for this episode or just go to thefreedomlounge.com. That's my monthly group coaching program. And I have a great solid group of women in there right now. You can join at any time. It is less than 4% of my coaching costs, so it's a great way to get uh, a coaching session with me, videos from me, exercises, and having a very supportive group. I I have to say I am very proud and impressed with the group so far because they've all been so supportive of each other and loving and encouraging, and it's also kind of crazy to see how many things they all have in common. Uh, lots of the lots of very similar transitions so it's been beautiful to watch that unfold as the women want to meet each other and plan to discuss these things outside of our coaching calls with each other it's just been really great so would love to have you in any of those places either my live event with Amanda Duran called more than this or the freedom lounge or if you want to apply for my one-on-one coaching that's cool too but with all of that said my favorite thing right now is this episode so why don't we go ahead and head on over Welcome to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's so good to have you back on the podcast for another exceptional interview, this time with the beautiful April Boyd. I'm really excited about this topic today. Um, I have mixed emotions, as I'm sure a lot of people who saw the title of this might have mixed emotions. It's a heavier topic, but I feel that it's one that has come up into each woman's life in some way or another, whether you know a uh, friend who has had 
something happened, a tragedy happened with their family, the loss of a baby, a miscarriage, or a mother, or a sister, or someone around you. I think everyone's been personally touched by this in some way. And maybe you're someone like me that's sometimes at a loss for words, and you don't really know what that's like because you've never had something like this happen. Um, but maybe that was you, and maybe you're currently going through something like this. Maybe you... Um, just went through something like this and either way i want this podcast to be a place for you to come to and say hey i'm not alone um here's what april says i can do about this here's how i can feel my feelings and move forward when i'm ready to move forward so without further ado i'm excited to hop on into this thank you april so much for joining us on the podcast thanks madeline for having me on i appreciate that are you from canada I am, in fact, from Canada. So I'm up here in Ontario. And yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy right now. All the seasons are changing. So the trees are lit up in all these magnificent colors. We're kind of lucky to have that around here. Oh, beautiful. I only know that because you said about a few times before <laughs> we got on the call. And I was like, hmm, about, about, like, sounds so Canadian. So I had to ask you. <laughs> you are bang on, bang on. I have this weird thing for, like, listening to that word and I like sometimes I think people are Canadian and they're totally not and I just think that when I hear them say about it, I'm like you're Canadian and then they're not and I'm like oh I'm just like obsessed with finding people who are Canadian just from that word it's it's like a fun little game I play in my mind <laughs> oh it's the giveaway every time it's always the tell it is. So the first thing we do in this podcast is give the guests a chance to talk about their background and their story and how they got to where they are to tape. So please lay it on us. Sure. So I'm a private practice therapist by trade. And I had been doing this work for about a decade when I went through an experience in my own life that really took me out at the knees. I had a little girl named Nora, and she passed away unexpectedly and suddenly when she was only one day old. Now, while I had dedicated my career to helping people through all kinds of trauma and tragedy and change, I was now forced to go through something that was so big in my own life that I really didn't know for certain how I was going to survive it. And I remember not long after I lost her, someone had said to me, you know, April, you're probably going to have a bit of an easier time getting through this because this is the work that you do. And I remember at that time being really aware of the really genuine good intentions behind that, but also thinking that it was absolutely ludicrous to think that I had somehow been trained to survive the death of my daughter. Mm -hmm. I in no way felt prepared to deal with this. I, I felt absolutely like my whole world had just been shattered. That really everything that I had thought to be absolutely certain and solid in my life had now just been blasted into about a million pieces. But here's kind of the interesting thing. I realized in looking back that there was actually something quite correct in part of what that person had said, because my work had taught me a number of things for which I was extremely grateful. And one of those things was this. I knew that I was now at a crossroads in my life. So when I lost my daughter, I was very, very well aware that this is the kind of experience that changes who we are. I knew that I was not going to come out the other side of this unaltered. And I knew enough and I'd worked with, you know, enough smart, powerful, successful people to know that I needed to both respect and be afraid of grief because the magnitude of it can really pull us into some very deep, dark places for a very long time. And I had seen people get trapped and locked in those places for years before they really started getting help and doing some of the work to climb back out of that. So here's what that knowledge allowed me to do. I knew that I needed to make a decision. That even though I didn't really know how I was quite going to get myself out of this yet, 
I knew that I needed to make a decision that I would because at this crossroads, I knew I was at risk that I could either become hard, angry, bitter, and just kind of shrink out of the world in many ways. Or I could grow. I could expand. And I know that that's what I needed to do. I knew that that's what I needed to do. Because here's kind of the thing. I was also very aware that if I did not manage to come out of this, that that would become the story that would be told about my little girl in hushed tones in my circle of well-meaning friends and family. The story would ultimately become some version of April was great, life was good, and then Nora happened, and she kind of just self-destructed and was never the same again. And I really hung on to that. And I let that allow me to make a decision that I refused to let that become my daughter's legacy. There was no way that I was going to put that onto her. And in losing a child, this was actually one of the few decisions and actions that I could take as a parent. I could save her from that. And so that's kind of what I set off to do. And so I really learned a lot. I had to challenge a lot. I had to, you know, work through a lot of stuff that came up, obviously, in many different ways and form. But ultimately, I've really just committed to my goal of growing and expanding and letting that be how I honor her. That is so beautiful. And... I feel like I got so many goosebumps throughout that story. And I love your, I love the way that you, the perspective that you adopted is you changed, you did not let yourself get bitter and have this be something that completely changed you for your daughter's legacy, not necessarily for you, but for your daughter's legacy. So I think that's a really wonderful way to get out of your own body and your own head and, um, and allow yourself to both feel your feelings, but to see um, the end result of how you want to be known and how you want her or him to be known. Now, one of the things that I have said on the show with other guests multiple times is when something bad happens, um, don't ask why this happened to me. Ask why did this happen for me, right? And that's a great way to look at life. Now, when it comes to something like this, though, that makes me almost feel sick to to say that. Like, why did this happen for me, not to me? Because you never want to think that a death would happen for you, right? Now, I feel confident in saying this quote because I think it helps a lot of people, but I'm not in everyone's shoes. So now I'm putting myself into the shoes of someone who has lost a child and who's listening to my podcast and hear me say, why did this happen for you, not to you? And I'm thinking, how would that make me feel? So if were you ever told anything like that or did you ever have a moment where you asked yourself, why is this happening for me? Or is that just something you don't, you don't go there when it comes to something as sensitive as this? Yeah, so I love that you bring that up because I think that that really is one of the inevitable things that we all do when something bad happens to us. And I don't think that that just applies to, you know, the really big intense stuff like losing a little one. I think that's a question that we ask ourselves kind of universally (laughs) in many ways if we're being really honest. Whenever we're going through something hard or stressful, it's kind of that instinctual question that we do. And I think we do that for a couple different reasons. One, our brains are really programmed to try to seek order and structure and predictability and answers. So we have all kinds of years of hardwiring that essentially program us to get into that question. But here's the thing. When we're dealing with the heavy stuff in our life and the hard stuff in our life, that question is a really, really dangerous one. And if we chase after it, I am absolutely convinced that it will pull us down. And it'll pull us down fast. The question of why me? The question of why me, exactly. And so 
I'll just kind of share you a bit of um, a story for me. So I'd gone to yoga and because that was one of the things that even though I didn't really feel like going to yoga, I knew that every action that I was taking during this time really was either building me up and helping me to increase my strength, increase my healing, or it was knocking me down. So I knew enough to get up and get my butt on a yoga mat. And it was the end of class, and I was laying there, and it was just in that kind of gap of still that you get when you've had a good workout and when you've gone to yoga. And I could hear my thoughts so crystal clearly. And my thought was, why me? And then almost audibly in my head, the next thought was, why not you? And that just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And that felt so big to me (laughs) that I really had to kind of go home and spend some time with that. And this sounds a bit strange, but I needed to really get a bit of evidence that this pain was, in fact, not personal. And so I put on the news and I spent a bit of time truly just looking at some of the awful, horrible things that were going on in the world. And while that sounds a little morbid, it was actually quite functional for me, for my brain to truly take in the message that this pain was not personal. And what that allowed me to do is to really, I think, avoid that trap and that spiral that can really grab hold of us when we inevitably ask the question, why me? Because I don't think that that's actually a real question. I think it's truly just one of the ways that our brains are programmed to respond to hard things, to try to make sense of stuff. But when it comes to these things that are really bigger than us and outside of our control, there's really nowhere for that to take us but down. So now I really encourage people, you know, whatever that hard thing is that you're dealing with, to notice that question of why, because you are going to have that question. So let's not judge ourselves for thinking it. Let's just acknowledge the fact that we are going to have that thought because it's a bit universal. And instead, you just kind of watch it go by and know that that is just one of the tricks that our mind sometimes plays on us. Mm -hmm. Have you ever worked with anyone that had, let's say, this pain lingered for a very, very, very long time? Like, in a sense, they had survivor's guilt? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's um, a really, really common phenomenon And because that, (laughs) that uh, tunnel, right, of that well really is so deep and it can really hold people there. And I think one of the things that makes it so hard to get out of that is that we feel really, really guilty when we do. So we're truly caught in this catch-22 of I feel awful when I feel so awful and yet I don't feel like it's okay to allow myself to experience life again or to let in anything positive or good again, even like laughter or joy or expressing anything positive because I somehow feel like I'm betraying my lost one. I somehow feel like I am leaving them behind or I'm just really afraid that other people are going to get the mistaken idea that I'm just over this and I don't care anymore and it's not a big deal and this really doesn't matter to me. So I think that's a trap that I see people often really caught in and that's why I really stress the idea that you need to make that decision. It is the decision that comes first that I'm going to allow myself to return to life again. So for me, if it was just about myself wanting to feel alive again, I didn't. (laughs) I was not craving that. I was not wanting that. There was not any part of any cell in my body that wanted to go out and enjoy life again. I kind of wanted to jump off a bridge, right? So I didn't know what to really do with myself. The pain was just so big. But I knew 
that I needed to find and hang on to. What is my reason for getting through this? So that's often where I start the work with different people that I talk to is really what is your reason for this? What is your why? Because that is that anchor that is going to help you. That is that thing that you are going to hang on to to pull yourself up and out of that dark pit. Mm-hmm. I have a cool story I'll share with you. Um, this is of a particular client that I work with. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing the story, but I think it's a great story. But um, she has had some tragedy in this uh, realm happen in her life. And the guilt she's felt has been massive. And it's been really hard for her to move on for for for, for reasons. And we've been working through that. But... I think one of the things is she did feel pretty guilty because she has wonderful children, but that doesn't mean that she can't feel that sadness whenever she thinks about the one that she did lose. Um, and so it's about learning to have compassion for yourself and allow yourself to have those feelings that you have and, and also be able to be so content and grateful for what you do have. But there was a time recently in her life where everything was so stressful and the guilt was piling up and she felt guilty for all these different things. And, um, she has a perfectionism, uh, attitude where she wants to do things perfect. And so we've been learning how to let go and let loose and not feel guilty for not being perfect because none of us are perfect. Right. And she is the most amazing person with animals. She loves animals and she, when things were getting really stressed out and whenever all these tragedies were happening, um, she had decided to get a puppy at the same time. So she had lost uh, a relative and this was going on and she was just in a very bad place. So she decided I'm going to get a a puppy and they had to sign up in advance to get one of the breeders puppies because it was uh, coming in a few months. So the time came when she was getting the puppy and she was living with her parents and feeling stressed even more. So she gets this puppy. Now she has her three kids to watch after and a puppy and her husband's out of town, like all this stuff's going on. And we get on one of our sessions and she's talking about how she feels guilty for getting a puppy. Like I already have so much stress. I feel so bad that I got a puppy. Like I, I wanted this puppy so badly and it gave me so much hope when I was going through all this stuff and it was hard, but now I have this puppy and I just feel guilty. I can't even enjoy having the puppy. And it was so interesting what was going on here, but we came full circle after talking about this and the puppy really was this healthy coping mechanism for her when she was going through this hard time in her life, when she was losing um, a relative and all this stuff was going on, that puppy gave her hope. She was bringing in, essentially she was bringing in life when she was losing it. And it was really quite beautiful. And she felt guilty for other non-related things that she couldn't enjoy this puppy. But when she was able to realize, oh wow, instead of turning to negative coping mechanisms such as uh, beating up my body image or getting strict on uh, my food intake because that was one of the things she was doing. She was like, I'm going to get a puppy and like enjoy more life. And it was really, really beautiful. And then once she had that realization of, oh, I feel bad and I'm, I'm so- sabotaging this relationship with this beautiful animal for no reason when actually this animal, as cheesy as it sounds, is like saving it's a, it's a savior in a way. It's saving you from that pain you're feeling and it's beautiful. And that's why I love it. It just reminded me of what you were saying about accept that life and like know that life can grow even out of something that feels so painful. And of course I'm speaking out of experiences I have personally never had, but I do know that there are painful experiences. I've had painful experiences and sometimes it feels like there is no hope or there is no light or nothing good, no life will come out of this. But I thought that was a great story of like how deep in our hearts we all do desire life and love. And for some people that is getting a puppy and you should fully, fully enjoy that animal for what it is, for for helping you get along and for, for being that healthy coping mechanism in your life that's really coming along at the perfect time for you. And it might not be a puppy, it might be something else, but that was just that example that I thought was really cool. Yeah, and and I love that because I think it's so cool and it's so powerful that she's even showing up with you to have those conversations about that 
because even just that act of carving out that time with you with her busy schedule and all the demands that she's juggling, that that's so huge to even give herself that time and space to do that, to even reflect on those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's amazing in every single way. Like she's she's so cool and so awesome and so strong. And every single session she comes ready to dive in. And every single time we uncover a bunch of stuff, like every session is just as powerful. So needless to say, I'm extremely blessed to have her as a client and my other clients. All of them are, are incredible. But yeah, so I thought that was great. Um, one of the other things I have noticed with people who have experienced something like this and I'm curious what 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 you have to say about how to to actually move on and let that process happen but um I have another good friend who has recently had a miscarriage and she's come out publicly on Instagram about it and it's heartbreaking so sad but in one of her recent posts she was just writing about how one of the hard things she's dealing with is like for months leading up to that happening, she was envisioning Christmases and Halloweens and when she's getting on Instagram, looking at all these kids, like Halloween costumes and envisioning her kid one day and making plans and talking about names. And then that's gone and then it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, then what do you do? How do you pick up the pieces and move on? And I know you said, don't ask, you know, don't sit and don't sit in the questions of why me don't take your pain personally, but what does the process actually look like to let it go and to put one foot in front of the other? Mm-hmm. So I think that that those stories, you know, kind of touch on something really important there, right? Which is that this stuff can be so devastating. And that's just the reality of this. That when you lose a little one, what you're losing is the life that you imagined having. And that can be really isolating with your friends and family because it can be really hard sometimes to explain to other people, here is this incredible gaping absence in my life and it has wounded me deeply. When sometimes to other people on the outside, they're like, well, how do you miss somebody that you didn't even really get to know? But what you're touching on there is such a huge part of it. You're missing the life you had intended and that you had prepared for. And that is all suddenly kind of taken from you. So I think one of the key things there is really huge doses of self-compassion. I'm just thinking a little bit of that story of uh, the client that you had shared that you're working with. And one of the things that stands out to me in that is that I think we all have such a tendency that when we notice something about our experience or when we notice something about our pain, we tend to identify that as I've screwed up. (laughs) I've screwed up if I'm experiencing this overwhelm of having this new puppy or of watching even all of these other photos and life take place of people around me, that somehow there is something just really broken in me. And I think that we have that tendency to really hold ourselves to really high standards of I'm feeling this overwhelm and I'm feeling this agony or I'm feeling this insane jealousy when I'm looking at the life that I've planned play out for everybody around me. And then what happens is now I feel like a horrible person, right? Because I'm looking at all these pictures on Instagram or I'm looking at kind of all the things in my life that maybe I should be grateful for, but that I just can't connect to that gratitude right now because I'm still feeling this grief and this loss and the magnitude of this pain. And I think that we can really do a number on ourselves with the amount of judgment that we layer onto our experience. And so I often kind of say that if we do nothing else, other than just really, really dial up the compassion that we have for ourselves, which means allowing ourselves to make room for all of that, for that feeling of guilt, for that feeling of anger, for that feeling of jealousy, for that feeling of 
maybe somehow I'm being a bad mom to the kids I have here because I'm not just so in bliss of the fact that I have them and I'm still mourning my other lost little one. If we don't make room for all of that, then what we end up doing is really punishing and torturing ourselves. And I think that that's one of those crucial things that can really function to keep us stuck in the darkness and stuck in the pain because we just kind of grind ourselves further and further down with the judgment and that self-attack of I'm feeling this, but I shouldn't be. So I think the more that we really just step back and say, how can I not be feeling this right now? Of course, I'm feeling devastated. Of course, I'm having mixed feelings here about returning to life or staying in my grief. Of course, I'm having overwhelm with the idea of trying to care for this puppy and thinking somehow maybe that was a mistake to even do. But that really is just the reality of all of it. It is always a mixed kind of storm of stuff. But I think particularly as women, we really do a number of ourselves in feeling like we're supposed to somehow make that neat and tidy and organized. And that's not always possible. I think of, you know, really the idea of maintaining your composure during this hard stuff, the idea of maintaining composure during grief is kind of like trying to keep your yard tidy during a hurricane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you going to get there? Sure. But that's not really going to happen while the storm is still happening. So instead, give yourself permission to stay off social media for a while or unfollow some things that hurt. Give yourself permission to do the compassionate act and to treat yourself the way that you would your friend. Do you have any specific like journaling exercises or tools that you have people do when they're going through something like this, like something you know, you go to, you know, that will at least help them get their feelings out or have more clarity? Mm-hmm. So I think oftentimes different things really connect to different people. Um, some people might be more into writing. Some people might be more into art. But I really encourage people to think about the idea that grief is also a physical experience and it needs to be treated as such. And that applies to anything stressful, right? Stress itself, as you probably well know, is a physical experience. It sends our bodies into this fight or flight mode where we're now pumped full of adrenaline and cortisol and all of that stressful, stressful, high energy hormone kind of stuff. And we need to burn that off. So for me, I'd always been really active. But after I lost my daughter, I really was aware that I needed to move my body, that there was days where I was just so full of the rage and the tension and the agony that if I did not go for a 5K run that day, I quite possibly would have absolutely exploded on the person in line of me at the checkout for no good reason, right? That we're just full of all of this hurt and all this pain. And that is literally energy coursing through our body and it needs to be burned off. So that's why I think things like yoga and movement and whatever that level is that you need to do for you to process this out can be critical. And I think that's also because, from my experience, and I think a lot of other people relate to this too, there was times when I truly did not have words to even really be able to get this out, right? Or to really ascribe meaning to it just yet. And so people would kind of say, you know, what do you need? Or how are you? And I would say, I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know. So there was times when that idea of doing art or listening to music or getting out to yoga or for a run really was one of the key ways accessible to me that I could literally process some of the stuff through my system. Right. Those are all great recommendations. And I completely agree on the movement, especially with yoga. Yoga's helped me in pretty much everything in life and it's always there for me and it helps me really just sometimes to get it helps me to get either into my body more or out of my body either one whatever I'm really needing for that particular day 
That's what I receive. So one of the last things I wanted to ask you about was I'm a pretty big proponent of being able to understand and contemplate one's own mortality and know one's own uh, time on here on earth is, is fairly brief and to make the most of it. One of the things you had pointed out that you believe in is being able to think about loss and death and mortality can help you to live larger and to love even more intensely. How has that shown up in your life since um, Nora? Mm -hmm. So I think of what you had said a bit earlier about that idea of why is this for you, right? And while I never, ever would have you know, wanted this or wished this on anyone in a million years, one of the things that I have taken out of that that I think has allowed me to expand is that idea of connecting to mortality. And that's such a taboo topic in our culture, right? Instinctively, we want to kind of pull away from topics about death and dying. But I really lean into those now because I think that that is really where there is so much power and potential. It's a bit cliche, but we do tend to live as if we have an unlimited supply of days, right? We put off things all the time. We stay in jobs that we hate. We avoid having the conversations that we know we need to have with somebody in our life because we always have this sense of I'll just do it later. And one of the things of being so close to death and loss in my life has made me acutely aware of is that our time is now and you need to live the life that you want to live now. So that very much is how I now make a lot of my decisions that's how I really make a lot of my kind of to-do list items on my agenda and my calendar. What is most important to me, really? Yes, of course, all the other stuff needs done all the time. But ultimately, what is the big picture I'm creating for myself? And why is it that what I'm doing matters? Because if that doesn't line up, that needs to shift, right? And it needs to shift quickly. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love it. Thank you. That that makes a lot of sense. And I can see how, especially now at this point in your life, something pretty awesome has come out of it. And it's been you being able to teach other people how to work through this kind of loss. And that's exceptional. Through your pain can come passion and purpose. And you're a great example of that. Something happened in your life and you've used that experience to not only change your life and to grow and to love more intensely, but to teach others. And I think that's the coolest thing is to have a struggle and to have a loss and to have something happen in your life, but be able to really do something with that and serve the world somehow, some way with that. So thank you for being brave and vulnerable and honest and open and a leader for so many women that need to hear this because, man, like I, I never knew how common especially miscarriages are, and they are so common. I know so many women who have had them and every story is hard to hear and it's always sad. I don't have that experience in my life, but I've been able to listen to enough peoples to understand a bit more, not nearly as much as someone who's gone through it, of course, but a bit more of what it is like. And I know it's got to be so hard and life-changing, but you're a great example and a shining leader of how it can be life-changing uh, for the better and how you can grow out of something, grow through something like this. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And I think you're touching on something really important, right? That it's really only when we kind of start to have these conversations that we start to really realize how prevalent this really is. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about miscarriage, we're really talking about one in four women. That's a lot of our friends and family. That is a lot of people around us. And yet, it's often not until we go through something like this or somebody right beside us goes through something like this that we really start to come out with and hear those stories of, yeah, me too. Or here's this other example that I know and here's kind of where it seems to be showing up all around me. So I think that this is really one of the things that I'm most committed to and most passionate about 
is truly starting to break some of the silence and isolation around this. Because while I know that these are really hard topics, I think that they really offer a really, really powerful opportunity for connection and for more authentic living. Exactly. Beautifully said. So before we head to the quick fire round, can you let everyone know where they can find you online? Sure. So I'm at lovelossproject.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook, and I would love to hear from you. And I do have a free self-care kit at my Love Loss Project. And so I would love if you shared that with someone who you knew might use it in your circle. Awesome. And I will have the links, all of your links on the show notes for this episode, episode one, two, seven. All right. So now for the quick fire round. They're kind of hard questions, but as quick as you feel comfortably doing it and it'll make it a quick fire round. All right. Number one, three words to describe you. Hmm. Um, hopefully vibrant, positive, connected beautiful i'd also say you're probably pretty empathetic so that would be another one if i could add another one because you seem like a very empathetic person which the world needs more of that okay if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be besides your current home everywhere everywhere Mm -hmm. for about three months at a time yeah what if you had to pick one spot where would that be um right now i'm kind of crushing on costa rica i'd like to go and visit there for a bit Um, I think I'd also like to spend a bit more time in Italy. I went there once and it was fabulous. Um, And maybe somewhere Greek islands. Lovely. What did you eat for breakfast? I had, what did I have? I had a strawberry and banana smoothie. Yum. What uh, is your morning routine like? Mm, um, My morning routine has become pretty... Uh, sacred and important to me. So I now really make time in my day that I don't just kind of get out of bed and hit the ground running. I've really learned the importance of starting my day intentionally. So I get up, I have a coffee, um, I sit with my dog Sasha for a bit and think about what I have going on in the day. Then I, as soon as I do I'm not a big meditator. I would say I'm a meditation wannabe, um, which means that I really know the good value of that. But for me, it's a bit of a kind of on again, off again practice. So oftentimes I kind of cheat and I'll put on uh, like a YouTube meditation in the background. But that seems to do the trick for me. And then I usually work out and then I get ready to start working with my clients. Nice. What is your biggest turn on in your partner? Hmm. Um, Oh, that's a tough one. He is, I think, an incredible combination of hmm, rock solid and flexible. So he is able to be really clear, really consistent, um, really there. And at the same time is able to kind of flex and mold and go with the flow. So that's a pretty cool combination. Yeah, that's great. You should tell him that. I should tell him that. I'll let him listen to this. He would love that. I'm sure. That's a great compliment. (laughs) Um, Who are three people you would invite dead or alive to your perfect dinner party? Oh, I love this question. Um, I think I'm going to have to send out invitations to Danielle Laporte, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, and Angelina Jolie. Oh. And, yeah. And not because I'm interested in any kind of, you know, celebrity, what's going on with Brad kind of gossip, because I really don't ever have time or energy for that. But I'm always a huge fan of spending more time with people who really seem to be about living boldly and breaking the rules and Mm. following their own beat. What's your favorite meal right now? Um, I'm kind of craving sushi these days. Yeah, it's a good one. If love tasted like a flavor of anything, what would it be? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with chocolate gelato oh yeah that's (laughs) that is love right there (laughs) 
Um, if you joined the circus, what would your position be? That's hilarious. Um, I'm going to say lion tamer. Oh, yeah. Go big or go home. Yeah, lion tamer. But like a nice lion tamer that doesn't like hurt the lions to make them get scared of certain things, right? Yeah, I'd be like the Caesar Milan of lion tamer. I would just do it with my calm, assertive energy. (laughs) That makes more sense. We need you you in the circus. Perfect. (laughs) And then I get mauled. It will be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Last last question. What's a must-read book? Um, Danielle Laporte's The Desire Map. So, uh, that book rocks my world. I really recommend it to everybody. Um, because the whole premise, I don't know if you checked it out or not, mm-hmm. but it basically is about the idea that we have goal setting typically upside down as our culture. We tend to chase these things that we think are going to make us happy. The losing five pounds, the trip, the hardwood floors, where in reality, What she says is that we are chasing feelings. We're chasing after how we think we're going to feel when we arrive at those goals. So it really walks you through how you build more of just those feelings into your life every day. And I love that. Awesome. That's actually on my list to read. So I need to get around to that soon. Thank you, April, so much for coming on the show. This has been such a treat and I know it's going to help so many people. Thank you so much for having me, Madeline. Everyone, this is episode 127. So if you want to check out her links, go to maddiemoon.com and you'll see the show notes for this episode. Also, of course, you can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, anywhere it works, but go check out her stuff. Also, I've started a new cool thing. When you sign up for my email list by going to my website and signing up for the free quiz, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life, You'll also start to get an email from me every probably Monday with a list of my favorite things. So I did this a couple weeks ago for the first time and it was a huge hit. So I'm really excited about keeping it going because I got a lot of responses saying y'all liked that. So maybe I'm good at letting y'all know what cool things are around the web. So I'll keep doing that. So if you want to get this email every single Monday of all the best books I'm reading, my favorite podcast, the quotes I'm thinking about, um, anything else going on in my life, how I'm getting out of my comfort zone, speaking my truth more, sign up, get on my email list. You'll also get a cool five-part lesson course. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And that's that's about it. That'll be fun. So thanks, guys, for tuning into the podcast. As always, love hearing your thoughts on the show. I'll see you guys next week.